Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Oh, so good, isn't it? So good to be in the house of the Lord. So good to hear what God's doing amongst us. And I'm excited for this next season. Um, we have been looking at this word cultivate. We've been looking at the parable of the sower. The parable arrives in all three synoptic gospels. Dave has given us a couple of great week, weeks. Just sorry, vital ones are leaving. Thanks, Tice, for doing the heads up. No one I would forget. Um, the um, it's found in all of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so it's a very important parable. Mark is the one who says, if you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand all other parables? Now, we'll not take time to read it today because it's 20 verses, but because um, uh, I'm going to refer to some of the verses through my talk. If you're a visitor here, we finish at a quarter to two, so it's 25 minutes, just in case you're wondering, is that boy going to preach for an hour? Um, all fear of that be gone, all right? Um, But Jesus is telling this incredible story. He's telling a parable, and Jesus talked a lot in parables. Initially, he didn't. Initially, he talked about very um, downright practical stuff like salt and light and doors and bread, things that everybody could um, relate to. People say that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings, and that is somewhat true. Although if you were to study parables in the Old Testament, you will find that parables in the Old Testament always are aligned with judgment. Um, Like Nathan the prophet, he comes and he tells David of the man who had um, one sheep and the man who had loads of sheep and the man who had loads of sheep stole the guy's one. And David says, whoa, show me that man. I'll kill him. And Nathan says, you're the man. So, and I could tell you story after story, study them, and I'll take time to go through all the references this morning. But you'll find in the Old Testament, they're connected to that. So I have to align my thoughts that in some shape or form, they're aligned to judgment in the New Testament as well. And it seems that Jesus initially started with simple stories that were very clear to understand, and then starting with this one, very seldom after it did he talk. Um, without a parable. And the parables were, in Jesus' words, were to help some people get it and make sure some people didn't. Scary thought, isn't it? If you want to study election sometime, um, uh, and for those of you who don't believe it, then there's a lot of pages you'd have to rip out of your Bible. There is no doubt election exists in the Scripture. And, uh, but it's not our study today, all right? So these, these, the Lord usually, from this on, spoke in parables. And, um, and, and, and you'll notice in this parable, um, Dave has been talking to us about it, about the seed and the soils, and he's done a great job at that. Um, but um, the disciples asked Jesus at this time, they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. It seems when I see God at work, when, when you watch God at work in Pharaoh, um, it, fe- it would seem that the more Pharaoh hardened his own heart, 
the more God decided, I'll harden it for you. It would seem there came a point that um, the, the gospel seemed to be unable to penetrate, and therefore there was a hardening of the heart, all right? Now, what we're going to talk about this morning, and um, we'll come back to that in a moment because it's important to, to make reference to it, all right? We're going to talk about the road and the birds of the air. Now, um, just to do a, a wee bit of a quick overview of a spiritual battle, you know that there's a spiritual battle that goes on in your life, all right? We've got, and we don't have one enemy, we've got three enemies. That's really important to understand. We've got the world. So the world is out there and is very, very tempting. The world is very alluring. It brings people in, recognizing worldly systems which are resisting the purposes of God in the world, and especially in westernization, maybe more so in the Western world, we have this idea that enough's never enough. And so the world allures and attracts people. And then we've got this thing called the flesh. We've all got it, all right? And that's the base, self-centered nature that wants to rule your own heart and your own desires. Once you, you want what you want. And sometimes the very wanting what you want stops you getting what you need. Wanting what you want stops you getting what you need. And God wants to give you so much, but sometimes our earthly desires overcome um, our ability to pray for things, and then we don't actually get what we really need. And so the flesh is a, an interesting thing. We were listening to a talk, um, the elders this week, and John Thompson, and he was saying for people who have been demonized and people who have been set free, he says, when people have been set free from any demonic activity, you're still left with you. <laughs> you're still left with you. All right? Sometimes it's a bit like getting rid of the gasoline that's on the fire, but you've still got the fire. And we've all got our flesh. And I think sometimes we put too much emphasis in the, in the de- on the demonic. We give them far too much attention. And sometimes it's just the old world that we're dealing with. And sometimes it's just our flesh. And uh, it's easy to blame the devil and everything. Of course, it all results there. It all started there. It all spawned in hell. And so the devil, recognizing the enemy's tactic is to steal the seed of God. He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10.10 reminds us that. So it's really important to grab that. And so we see this evil trinity coming through the first three soils in, in many different ways. And this is direct warfare. This one that we're going to look at today, the path or the road, um, is almost like direct warfare. It's like... Um, um, the other ones you'll find as we get into them are more subtle. So the deceit and wealth and riches and worry and all of that, there's a little bit more subtlety in that. But um, this, is, this, this first one is an absolute direct assault of the enemy. He is right in there. And that's, this is why, and I think it's really important to say that this talk couldn't have come at a better time in the calendar with Alpha and it's really beginning week. Last week was a bit of an introduction, so it's not too late to invite someone to Alpha. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment or two because I think it's really important because the, the enemy will be into direct warfare right away. And so basically in this one, uh, the birds of the air refer more directly to the enemy's tactics. So we're talking about demonic stuff, blinding the eyes to see and understand the kingdom. Now, I had to work really hard on this this week. Um, 
and uh, not that I don't work hard in, on any uh, sermon, and Dave's the same, or any of the guys who speak, but I had to work really hard to see a way through this, and there is a way through, just in case you're thinking, well, my, uh, my friend or my, the person I brought just seems to have a really hard heart. Is, is it hopeless? It's not hopeless, all right? So I need to put that disclaimer out right at the start. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so the enemy's tactics from the beginning is to distort our image of God and to distort our image of one another. That's what he does. He makes us distort our image of God. So um, someone once said that uh, someone once said that God created man in his own image, and man, being the gentleman he is, has been doing the same thing ever since. And that's exactly right. We try to create God in our image. But God created us in his image. And so it's really important to know that. And that was, um, it was uh, Martin Luther who said, the reason we need to hear the gospel every day is because we forget it every day. The reason we need to hear the gospel every day is because we forget it every day. And so there's something, the theology and the doctrine of salvation is you're, you're saved, you're being saved, and you're going to be saved. That's the doctrine of salvation. So saved, and then working it out daily, you're being saved, and then one day it's all going to be consummated when we go home to heaven. Now, Dave, give us a great synopsis of the seed, and he said this little line, there is nothing wrong with the seed. That's stuck in my head over the last couple of weeks. There's nothing wrong with the seed. And he gave us a good synopsis of the seed and the soils. And so the seed that is sown is the Word of God. We know that. And this is where our confidence in the harvest must rest, all right, in the ministry of the Word. The Word is the Word is the Word. And the sower in the story is Jesus. But it could be any familiar or faithful distributor of the Word. It could be anyone in the story he's referring to himself, but anybody sowing the seed, anybody telling their friends about Jesus, it is still the risen Christ by the Holy Spirit who is speaking in the Scriptures. So I often say this, that God's Word out of your mouth is as powerful as it is out of His mouth. God's Word out of your mouth is as powerful as as it is out of his mouth. So that's why it's important to know the scriptures. It's really important. And uh, I, love that the, I love that the seed is sown indiscriminately. It is thrown everywhere without regard to the type of person who hears the word or the possibility of their response. All people are to hear the word without distinction, without restriction, at the invitation of God to come and receive his mercy freely offered to them um, in Jesus Christ. And the soil, the heart he's talking about, is where the response of the word is made, all right? And so we must take care how we hear the word. That's why it's important to do some cultivating. It's important to plow and to sow and to reap. It's important to dig up our hearts. Now, when we tell this parable, we're talking, of course, to the seed that lands in the path, the people who don't understand the word, blah, blah, blah. But I think that there's more to it than that. I think that, that there are, are many, many believers whose hearts have grown cold. I, uh, last year, I found a, 
last, about the middle of last year, I, I, I found that I was doing a little thermometer test to my heart, and I found my heart had grown hard. And I couldn't understand it because I read my Bible every day. I was doing the devotions. I was going through the New Testament last year. But I just found that I had got on to a little bit of autopilot. <laughs> Did you ever happen? And I'd got on to a little bit of autopilot. And there was no, I, I hadn't done any cultivating. <laughs> I hadn't plowed up some of the hard thoughts, some of the wrong thoughts, some of the deceitful thoughts that had got into my heart, and I had to go back and do a little bit of an inventory and spend a bit of time with God and plow up the heart. So, so while I'm talking about this this morning, I'm talking not just to the unbeliever, I'm talking to everyone in the room this morning, all right? We must do all we can to plow, plow up the stony ground, all right? For it's so easy for our hearts to grow cold. It's so easy for our hearts to get hard. It's so easy to... Um, uh, to have the word preached and just go in one ear and out the other. And so beginning with this morning, we're going to look at all four soils. We're going to take a look at this over the next few weeks. And so today we're going to talk about the unreceptive heart, the heart that is stony. All right, in the culture of this day, when Jesus was teaching, and it's important to look at the Bible culturally, he was referring to narrow strips of land. He was talking about uneven and irregular shapes of fields, uh, which would have been crisscrossed by narrow paths. And um, if any have been there, you'll have seen this, all right? And again, a little plug, Maureen and I are going on the uh, 20th of June, and there's a few places left. So if you'd like to get um, in, we would love you to come with us. We're so looking forward to this trip. And uh, um, if you've stood there, it's, it's incredible. And these paths were formed not by any planned scheme. It wasn't the... Um, it wasn't the council who set these little paths. These paths were, were just regular traffic of feet. They were by cartwheels or by animals' hooves that were made. And so the description of the seed falling along the path in Jesus' par parable is not in any way meant to be a criticism by Jesus of the sort of carelessness of the farmer, not at all. Um, rather, he's saying this is what ordinarily would have happened in any field. All right, in the field where the seed is broadcast, some would naturally have fallen on the path. And these paths were, the, the, they couldn't penetrate into the path, the seed, you see, as hard as pavement. And when the seed fell on them, they just sat on top of the ground without sinking in. And you'll notice the way Jesus uses the image of this particular response to the um, human heart. This is what he says. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Why doesn't the heart produce any fruit from the seed of the word that is sown? It is not that the person hasn't heard the word. You can see that there. When anyone hears the word, they've heard it, all right? So, they cannot object in judgment day um, to the dreadful sentence of condemnation that waits them by saying, well, nobody ever told me the good news. Nobody ever told me about Jesus. The issue is that the word of the gospel never reached into the depths of the heart. And listen, I know there's theologies going about today that saying that the, a, a God who is a God of love would never condemn anybody to hell, and hell is not for people Hell is for the devil and his angels. That is true to a point. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, but it's for unbelievers as well. 
And the old brethren preachers used to say, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and it's true. There's no in-between. There's either heaven for those that love Jesus and have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, or there's hell for those that are lost and have never taken the step of asking Jesus into their lives. That's important to understand, all right? And the issue is of this seed, it never penetrates the heart, and their heart is hard-packed and unreceptive, and so the word sits, as it were, on the surface, never sinking in. Does that ring familiar to you? You know, in the busyness of life, when your heart gets so packed with stuff, and it becomes on, on a it just can't be penetrated by, by anything. It just feels like it's full. It's full of busyness. It's full of stuff. It's full of family stuff. It's full of, of stuff that you're watching on TV. It's full of all of this stuff. And then when the Word of God comes, there is no room. There is no room for anything. Jesus is exposing, actually, a very common pattern for many people who come to church today or maybe even tune in online. Why they do it, I'm not quite sure um, after all, what benefit can they hope to receive it if it uh, receive from it if it never penetrates the heart? Maybe they attend church out of a long-established habit. Maybe it's where their community gathers. These are their friends, and so they simply can't imagine doing anything else on a Sunday morning. It's part of a routine now. They come to church out of the sheer force of habit. Muscle memory compels them to attend. It's part of who they are. And maybe they do get some kind of therapeutic benefit from it, some kind of emotional benefit, or maybe some kind of even behavior modification. That's not the gospel. That's just common sense. The gospel is when the seed penetrates into the heart and the heart responds. That's what happens. They and, and, and people can come to church and feel better about themselves and grant themselves some kind of psychological absolution. That's wonderful. But whatever the motivation, the fact remains, the Word never penetrated the hard background. That's what Jesus is getting at in this story. All right? And if you were to show a video recording of their lives to them and replay it week by week of them coming to hear the Word, we would see that they've never really made a single meaningful adjustment to their lives by their thinking or their convictions in the wake of the preaching that they've heard. And uh, we would have to conclude that their hearts are iron-coated. Um, and uh, as I studied this this week, I, I found it heartbreaking, to be quite honest. The seed simply bounces off. What a terrible condition to be in. The seed just bounces off. And all the more terrible, of course, is because people like this never really realize that they're in danger. They never realize that they, they are oblivious to the fact that Jesus is saying, if the seed of the Word sits on the surface of your heart where it can do no good, um, um, that's never going to do any good to your life. And Luke takes it a little bit further because Luke actually goes further and says, it's not only the birds of the air that, that are the damage to this. Actually, it just gets trampled underfoot. It becomes of no importance. And I know so many Christians and Christians who've just grown cold and uh, allow the Word of God just to be trampled underfoot because of the busyness of their lives. And if the birds don't get it, apparently their foot traffic will. And imagine if you were on the way home today and you took a handful of grain and you threw it out in the middle of Lurgan Street as you drive up the street. What chances of that um, bearing any, any crop? None at all. 
And if the gospel never gets in, never penetrates our heart, it stays on the surface of our lives, makes no impact upon us, and the constant busy traffic of our lives just nullifies it and crushes it out. Um, And what's left, the birds come and take. And he wants us to understand the threat we face. The devil hates you, and he's active in pursuing your destruction. If you've ever read the screw tape letters, um, C.S. Lewis screw tape letters, they're worth a read. And there's a, there's a little um, piece that jumped in my mind on Friday, um, and it's this, uh, he, 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 in, in the screw tape letters, who um, screw tape is the senior devil, and he's describing the experience of one of his subjects to his demonic prodigy, Wormwood. And the man was reading a book this day, and when his contents begin to stir him in questions about spiritual longings, and he begins to ask questions about eternal realities, and so screw tape intervenes, and I have it on the screen, by making the man terribly hungry for lunch. And this is what screw tape says to Wormwood. He says, once he was in the street, the battle was won, screw tape said to Wormwood. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper, and a number 73 bus goes past, and before he reached the bottom of the steps, I had gotten into him an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he has shut up alone with his books, a healthy dose of real life was enough to show him that that sort of thing just could not be true. Powerful, isn't it? And uh, Satan and his demonic forces are watching to see what opportunity our carelessness affords them to wreak havoc in our souls. And um, he's always vigilant for the possibility of hard hearts where the word never really sinks in. He's at work in the city right now. He's He's at work all across our land. All across our land, there's hundreds and thousands of people. Tash prayed for them at the start that sit in churches, and the enemy's job is to do exactly what screw tape is telling Wormwood. Just make sure that the seed does not fall on good ground. And uh, he's a predator. He's an opportunist. And uh, we need to be aware of the devil's schemes, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying with Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, to be sober, to be vigilant, all right? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and don't think you're obsolete. He's after us all. And the devil will do everything he can. And can I say to the older people, people my age and older, it doesn't get easier as you get older. You'll agree with me, I'm sure. I think it gets harder. And you need to work hard because um, as we get older, you'd like to think we'd get better. And I know some people who get older and get better. And so if you're going to get older and get better, you need to understand how to evaluate the experience of your life. Because experience isn't the best master or isn't the best teacher, all right? Evaluated experience is the best teacher. When you look at the experience and you evaluate, what can I learn from that? That's the best teacher. And so we want to be getting older and we want to be getting better. And the devil will do everything he can to keep people from dealing honestly with the claims of Jesus Christ. What is the big issue with the first here? Now, I want to land this here really quickly. Why is his heart so hard? Well, look at what the text says. 
And this is really, un- this is really important. Because you may be saying, Phil, well, what can I do? I'm praying for my mom. I'm praying for my dad. I'm praying for my son. I'm praying for my neighbor. And their heart seems so hard. God, is it hopeless, Phil? Do I keep praying? Well, I'm glad to ask because it took me a while to get this, all right? So here goes, all right? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, I missed that little line. I've read it so many times, and I missed that little line. They do not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. You see, the fundamental issue of the roadside hearer is he doesn't understand. What's, what's Jesus telling us? Understanding is the key. Understanding is the key. And the seed of the word takes root in the heart Um, through our understanding, so the key to fruitful hearing is understanding. This is why Paul, when he writes to Timothy, uses the analogy of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And then he uses this little line, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding of all things. Now listen to me. The apostles, using these three metaphors um, about discipline, discipline of hearing, discipline of listening, discipline of, of the athlete, discipline of the farmer who works hard, discipline of the soldier who takes orders and does what he's told to do. He's talking about discipline, and he's talking about these three people, and it's really, really important. And then he says in this verse, in verse 7, he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. Now, here's the thing. Here's our, it's like a two-sided coin. Our duty, we're to think over the instruction, we're to study it, to apply the message, to um, interrogate it, and might grasp its ideas. And as you think it over, Paul says, that's our task. And then the divine promise comes in, and the Lord will give you understanding. So at half six tonight, if you're not doing Alpha, and you're not at Alpha, at half six tonight, just in this room behind this wall, we're going to pray for one hour, half six to half seven. And what we're going to pray this, we're going to pray that um, we're going to pray that God will give people understanding. We're going to pray that God will strip the blindfolds that the enemy has placed on people's minds. That's what we need to do. We need to pray that the understanding of the gospel lands the understanding of the gospel, that they get it, that they get it that is for them because this is really important. They need to engage their brains. You know, we say this sometimes, well, the gospel isn't rocket science. And in a way it's not, but in a way it is. You need to think. I'm not much into bumper stickers, but I saw one I liked at one stage. It said, the devil's worst nightmare is a Christian with a brain. God give you a brain, and he expects you to use it. Actually, when people say, the Lord spoke to me, what they're actually meaning is a thought jumped into their brain. God uses your mind. And I, <laughs> this is really, this, this is meaningless, but I, I went, I, last night I started to Google people who use their brain. What do you see? Did, did you know that? Did you know that? Um, Windshield wipers were patented by Mary Anderson in 1903, a lady that just used her brain. 
Did you know that dandruff shampoo, which didn't do me much good, was patented by Josie Stewart in 1903? Did you know that a dishwasher was patented by Josephine Cochran in 1914? And the first disposable diaper was patented by um, Marion Donovan in 1951. You'll love this one, girls. The compact portable hairdryer was patented by Harriet J. Stern, 1962. Powerful, isn't it? Um, I, <laughs> I love this one. A, a dough product for uh, frozen pizza was patented by Rose Totino in 1979. And um, the Melita automatic drip coffee maker for all of you coffee snobs was patented by Melita Benz in Germany in 1908. Do you know that between 1863 and 1913, approximately 1,200 inventions were patented by minority inventors? People just used their brain. Why is it when we come to church we switch off? Why is it the smartest of people can run the world? How, how, how businessmen and businesswomen can run their companies and they can walk into church and turn their brain off like you turn a radio off? You know why? The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So the light of the glorious gospel can't shine in and they can't get saved. And what you know what we need to do? We need to get into that room, half six tonight. And we're going to be in that room every night Alpha's on and we're going to pray and we're going to switch the radio on. <laughs> we're going to switch on what the devil has switched off. And we're going to rip those blindfolds from there's 800 names in that basket, some of which have already come through to the Lord Jesus, but there's 800 names in that basket at the foot of the cross. And so we need to pray for the lost. Warfare is needed. We need to understand we've got an enemy out there, uh, and we've got the world, and we've got our flesh. All right? And um, yeah, and we need to get cultivating. Are you up for that? Let's pray. You know, all through January, just keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. All through January, I, I struggled. I, probably one of the toughest Januaries I think I've ever had. I struggled because, I struggled because uh, so many people are lost. And you can almost become a little bit um, disenchanted. God, is this really working? God, is it? Are we really getting through? And I began to pray this prayer. I began to pray that God would strip the blindfolds from people's minds. The last week I've had several conversations with people about the Lord Jesus. And I began to see lights coming on. Great conversations where people beginning to understand the gospel. Helping them understand it. And they don't understand it if we don't proclaim it. Our job is not to explain it. Our job is to proclaim it, Jonathan told us when he was here a few months ago. And so, God, we just want to ask you today that you would come in your power. 
And I believe now, I believe that we're standing on the verge of one of the greatest moves of God that we've ever seen. I believe that with all my heart. So, Father, we just asked you that you would bring in the lost. And if you're in this room right now and your heart has been hardened to the gospel and you've never allowed it to penetrate your soul and you'd love that opportunity, would you, would you, would you stick your hand up and let me see you? I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to stand, but I'd love a conversation with you. And uh, just if you're in the room, don't leave the room because like old screw tape, um, you'll not be 10 yards down the road till you'll not remember a word I said because the devil will make sure of it. Anyone? God, I pray that the word will land in good soil. I pray, God, that the miraculous um, fourth soil, which would have astounded the listeners, some 30, some 60, no seed ever does a hundredfold. And so it goes from not producing till a supernatural production. And so, God, we pray for supernatural production. And we ask you, Lord, just that the seed will fall in good ground. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, bless you. Thanks for bearing with us today. Thanks to Ruth and Rick. Um, thanks to you all online. Lord, bless you. Have a great day. May you tell people about Jesus. And if you want to come and pray for an hour tonight, we would love to have you. God bless you. Enjoy your tea and coffee. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.